The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi guys, this is Lo. Welcome to a new episode of I Love Wellness. Very excited for today's guest. We have Gabby Dalkin on the show. She is the founder of What's Gabby Cooking. She is a cookbook author, chef, entrepreneur, and host of Dear Media's What's Gabby Cooking in the Wild. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, So you obviously are a trained chef, you are a recipe developer, and you're in California right now, yes? Yes, I am. All true. (laughs) How has quarantine been going for you? I mean, minus the fact that I miss seeing my friends and like going to farmer's markets and stuff like that. It's okay. Like I can't complain. (laughs) Are the farmer's markets open or closed where you are? They are, but you have to wait in a line to get in and not just, I'm just not a line person. So we haven't Mm. been going, we've been like doing CSA pickups and like going to cool farms up in Malibu and stuff like that. So we can support small farmers, but I miss like the ritual of like going to a farmer's market on the weekends. Yeah. Which farmer's market do you normally go to when they're open? Normally we just moved. We've been in Brentwood for 10 years. So we did Mm -hmm. Brentwood for 10 years and I sometimes go to Hollywood on Sundays because it's just insane. And then Santa Monica on Wednesdays. I mean, depending on the day, I'll find a farmer. I I love them all equally, but yeah, it's been, it's been wild. Yeah. I was in Mar Vista in 2017 for a few months. And so I'd go to that one and it was really nice over there. Mar Vista is a great farmer's market. They have cool stuff there. Yeah. It's kick-ass. So, you know, I'm curious from a, um, food sourcing perspective, actually, how you are able to find out what your local CSA programs are and like farms that are selling to the public. Because when I was home in California earlier in the year with my parents, I tried to do that and I had a really hard time finding that information. So do you have any tips or tricks for listeners that want to purchase food in that type of way? Like how they can find that information or get more involved with like their local communities? Yeah. So I think actually probably a month or two into quarantine. So maybe in like April or May, I think um, some just like random pedestrian on the street came out with an incredible Excel spreadsheet of all the CSAs in California. Mm. Um, so that's Googleable. I can find it and send you the link if you want to put it in the notes yeah, or anything cool. like that. But I do county line harvest, which is all over Los Angeles. They drop off at different areas. But what I've been telling my readers and my friends that live in different places, if you just Google your zip code with CSA, it'll mm. normally pop up with some cool farms especially right now in the summer when like everyone has CSAs like I don't know about Idaho in the winter but like right now you probably can find some stuff there by just searching your zip code Um, and also looking at the farmers market websites and seeing who the people were that were selling there and then calling or emailing them individually and asking if they're doing any sort of drop-off or pickup or like a box or something like that because a lot of the farmers have pivoted to this sort of CSA model so they can continue to stay afloat in the last Mm -hmm. couple of months. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thanks for that information. Um, So everybody will try to post that link for our California listeners. Alexa will figure out how to do that. (laughs) Um, So talk to me a little bit about your cookbooks and just your experience in the culinary world. I know that you've had some number one bestsellers on Amazon, which is like so exciting. So congratulations. I know that you are a California girl and a California chef. So just talk to me about your experience in the food world and sort of how do you approach it? How do you 
approach yeah. cooking? Yeah. So I started um, right after college. I went to culinary school shortly after, and I got a job as a private chef, like the same week I started culinary school, which is hysterical looking back at it because I had no business charging anyone for what I was making. Um, but fake it till you make it. So I started just cooking for families and I started my website at the same time and it slowly snowballed. That was back in like 2009, 2010. Cool. Um, and I really, I didn't really know what my brand or my cooking style stood for, for the first couple of years. It took me a minute to really put my finger on it and figure that out. And eventually I just decided like, I, I am this California girl. Like I cook the seasonal, colorful, fresh produce. Like you, everybody eats with their eyes. I want to eat beautiful food. I want to serve mm -hmm. people beautiful food. So that's kind of how it all started. And then I feel like there was a lot of noise within the food world as far as like, you can't have this and you can't have this. And trust me, like if you are celiac, like you shouldn't be gluten. I'm not arguing with that. But sure. I also think there's a beautiful way of living in balance with your body and your food that you're putting into it, being able to eat what you want, but still feeling great. So that's kind of how we've progressed as a company. And that's what the last cookbook's about. It's called Eat What You Want, 125 Recipes for Real Life, because we got to be able to feed ourselves and make ourselves happy. And I think food does that. Mm -hmm. Do you yourself have any dietary restrictions or things that you avoid? Or are you a go for all of it kind of girl? I'm a go for all of it kind of girl. I have, I have tried, I did like whole 30, but I did it for 24 hours and then I failed. <laughs> and like, I've, I've tried it all. Like I've experimented with it. And like, I have friends and family that have food allergies that I cook for all the time. But mm -hmm. I think the way I cook is actually generally very healthy. Like it's very like vegetable fruit health forward. Um, so I feel very fortunate that I don't have any allergies per se, but no, the answer is yeah, no. That's great. Um, I'm curious as to your thoughts because you're a chef. So I'm just going to ask you questions. <laughs> I'm curious as to your thoughts on your favorite types of like oils, fats, things like that to use when you're cooking. And I'm curious about your health on these things from, or sorry, your perspective on these things from kind of a health perspective. And then also from sort of like a flavor chemistry cooking perspective. Yeah. So I keep uh, avocado oil, grapeseed oil, and olive avocado, olive, and grapeseed oil stocked at all times. Oh, um, so you use really healthy oils. Yeah, always. I actually only really use vegetable or canola oil when I'm baking something that needs like a mega neutral. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, those are the three that I cook with. I use a grapeseed oil for anything that's getting in the avocado for anything that's like really getting high heat, like if it's being seared or if it's going to, if I'm frying something mm -hmm. or pan frying it. Um, and I use olive oil for like 85% of the things like I know some people say you don't want to heat olive oil too hot I just it, it's I love olive oil I think it's great you buy really good quality of olive oil from like Spain or Italy um so and those are really healthy fats and also as far as healthy fats go I am a big proponent of avocados <laughs> mm, love that do you use ghee at all I do. I have ghee. I make my eggs with ghee most mornings. Too. Um, so good. So good. So good. So yes, I do stock that. I, I guess I don't consider that an oil. So my bad. I'm not saying that earlier, um, but I well, love in the ghee. fats category. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. So I read about you that you were a really, really picky eater that when you were a kid, it was like pasta and grilled cheese. And that was it. Yes. Carbs um, only. <laughs> and so sort of how did you first discover your passion and love for food and, and how did that take you into your experience at culinary school? 
Yeah. So in college I gained like the freshman, it wasn't even the freshman 15. It was like the freshman 25 very quickly. And I went home after my freshman year in summer and my mom's like, what happened? Like, what'd you do? And I was like, well, there's this thing called late night and I'm eating dinner twice a day. Like it's not healthy. So my second year we moved into an apartment where I had a little bit more flexibility to cook for myself. And I started cooking dinner for, I played on the tennis team. Um, and I started cooking dinner for the team every day before matches. And it was carb loading. Like I was making pasta bolognese sure. and chicken parm and stuff like that. But it was so much healthier than what we were getting at the cafeteria or I'm when sure, we were yeah. going out to eat. So I just loved bringing people to my table. Like mm. I thrived off of that energy. So that's how it started in college. And then after college, when I got a job for six months and the whole company folded back in 2008 before I went to culinary school. And I was like, this is like, I'm just going to do this for fun. I just want to learn how to cook for my friends. And then when I got to culinary school and started working as a private chef, I was just like obsessed with all things food. And I immersed myself in the food world started the blog and never left. Like I had no intention of doing, like I was pre-med in college for a hot second. Like I didn't know, I didn't know where I was going. (laughs) But I think that that just speaks to probably how your brain works, right? You have an interest in science and how things work together. And that definitely, there's a parallel with food and recipe development. Um, So I, it, it's actually not that shocking to me at all. <laughs> well, that's good. My parents were like, huh, what are you doing? What's your career path? <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense to me. I, you know, I went to culinary school a few years ago and I also wanted to go pre-med. So look, there yeah. you go. <laughs> Two so peas just, in a pod. <laughs> your, your brain just ticks in a certain way. Yeah. So I understand. Um, so I, I'm curious if you could sort of talk to me about your culinary school experience alone because, mm-hmm. you know, you went to university and when I was in culinary school, it was sort of like an interesting cross-section of people. I had also gone to university, I went to UCLA, and then I did this as sort of secondary education. So I guess, what would you say to people um, that are interested in entering the food space? Do you think it's important to have like that traditional higher education experience or do you think you can just jump into culinary school and into the food world? Or do you think it's yeah. just based on sort of like where your passion really lies? Yeah, I think it depends on what you want to do. Like for example, if I, if I had skipped university and went straight to culinary school, I don't think I'd be as successful in running my business the way it is today because it's so heavily rooted in marketing and like mm-hmm. all these different business practices. Um, so I'm happy I did both of them. Do you need to go to culinary school to be in the food world? No, like I don't. Mm-hmm. I think you could very easily, well, not in the time of COVID because restaurants aren't running per usual, yeah. but if we were, like you could easily stage at a restaurant for six months to 12 months and learn everything you would learn at a culinary school for for a fraction of the cost. Like culinary Mm -hmm. school is not cheap. So, but my culinary school experience was like, it was six months for culinary, six months for pastry. I just went once a week for six hours a day. So it was like an intensive program that people could do after their job. So you could still work at the same time. And it was, it was a very wide array of people. There were people who were going to school to learn how to be line cooks and then wanted to be chef de cuisine and work in restaurants. Mm -hmm. I never had any interest in working in a restaurant. I don't stay up late enough for that. Like I don't drink (laughs) enough. I don't drink enough alcohol to work (laughs) some. So, um, it was interesting because when I went, I had no, I didn't know what I was going to make of it. But at the time, um, my godmother had sent me the pioneer woman's blog and she was like, look, mm, at, look at this woman. One. Yeah. And like, 
re at the time was writing about her love story and all these different things and it really inspired me to start what's got me cooking and now Re's a dear friend of mine but it was it's crazy to look back and be like oh she inspired me to start my website which is where I am like how I got to where I am today yeah I I think it's really interesting um and inspiring to see so many people in the food world um developing their own brands and their own identities and I think uh it's interesting like I think that people who are chefs and work at restaurants can have a sort of different opinion about people who are um, sort of creating food content. Um, but it's just two different avenues to take, right? And I don't think that one is necessarily better than the other or more superior than the other. Totally. <laughs> it, just is, it just is the way that you want to create um, and share with the world, right? Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about what's Gabby cooking? How did that come about? And when did you sort of realize that you could turn your expertise and passion into this full-blown business? Yeah. So I started the blog um, while I was in culinary school. So back in 2000, like, I think it was like the last week of 2009, early 2010. Cool. Um, and for the first like four- That's early days for a blog too. So I'm, I'm a grandma. Like it is like the so original. Old. It was back <laughs> in the like OG days. But um, I- it was for the first couple of years, it was really just a place for me to document what I was learning in culinary school. It was kind of like a journal, like what was happening mm-hmm. in culinary school and what I was cooking for my clients. And it had no rhyme or reason. Photos were atrocious. Like it is, it was a, it was a scary place. And my mother was the only person commenting on my blog. Um, and it wasn't until my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, got into web design and started really helping me like finesse what the blog looked like and then I start I met two of my best friends who are food photographers and food stylists and it slowly started to pick up steam in like 2013 which is when I walked away from private chefing and made the jump into doing what's got me cooking full-time and at that time it was like $250 for a sponsored post and I was like oh my god that's so cool I can pay for groceries yeah um so it was scary, but I was like, look, listen, like I'm 20, I don't even know how old I was at the time, 20 something. Like if I'm going to go for it, let's just do it now. Like I can always go get another job. Let's just try it out and see what sticks. And I feel super fortunate that I hustled really hard and got to where I am today. So now it's the blog and, you know, social media and product lines and cookbooks and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's been a wild ride. <laughs> Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company woo, that makes eating well, easy, and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. The recipes are quick with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you along, and there is truly something for everyone, including me. Their meal plans include paleo, plant-powered, keto, and balanced living. So with Green Chef, it is easy to eat well and discover new recipes every week that you will love to cook. I personally have enjoyed how much time Green Chef helps me save on busy weeknights, and it is so easy with the ingredients pre-measured and perfectly portioned. It literally saves so much time. So our listeners can use code ILW80 to get 
$80 off your first month plus free shipping on your first box. Go to greenchef.com slash ILW80 to redeem and for more details. That is greenchef.com slash ILW80 and enter code ILW80 for $80 off your first month plus free shipping on your first box. Now back to I Love Wellness. When you were developing your business, did you have help or is it something that you just sort of figured out on your own and now you could kind of teach a masterclass in how to develop and establish like a, a food brand? I definitely had help. So in 2014 or 15, I think I had met someone through like a culinary conference. Her name's Lori Buckle. She's been in the magazine world at Meredith and Condé Nast and all these different mm-hmm. places. And she helped me define what what's got be cooking is. And it was after mm-hmm. I went through that like six month exercise with her that things really took off because then I knew in writing every piece of content or producing any kind of content, there was going to be like a tie back to this one central point of being a California girl and eating California style food. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it was then that readers and my audience could really like connect and things started to snowball. So I definitely had help. I also work with a management company who's been integral. Like my first manager ever, Lily Berg was like taught me so much about like running a business. And like, I remember once I breached a contract because I worked with another brand and I was crying and she's like oh Gabby like this happens all the time like we're gonna (laughs) and and I learned so many cool things I it was so yes I've had a lot of help along the way and there's so many incredible people that have helped me get to where I am so would you say that if you are an inspired you know inspiring chef or whatever you will sort of want to make your mark would you give the advice to start with your personal story and the development of that and like, 100%. who are you and what do you have to say? And like, what is your approach? Yeah, because I think ultimately that's what's going to make you stand out. Like there are only so many ways to make banana bread in the universe, but totally, you're telling a story and it's your personality that's magnetic. That's what's going to get you a leg up from everybody else because, you know, like it, it cookies are ratios. Like you can't totally. just, you there's can't a just recipe in baking yeah. that you just follow. <laughs> so, so yeah, I would think, and I think investing in your own personal story and what you want your voice to sound like is number one piece of advice for starting your own personal brand. Mm, okay. Cool. That, that's great advice. Um, okay. I want to shift it to sort of the technical side of cooking a little bit. So what is your number one tip or advice for at-home cooking? And maybe we can sort of um, make it quarantine cooking tips, right? So since we're all all here most of the time, (laughs) we're all here. We're still here. Um, I think the, I think the, I think if you have no idea how to cook and you're just starting, I would start small, like start making something that is really tough to mess up. And just one thing you can master, for example, like, let's just talk about grilling chicken or sauteing chicken and mm-hmm. learning to not flip it until it until it's easy to flip it because if you flip it too soon it's not going to have that nice crust what kind of oil do you like cooking it in what do you like seasoning it with and then once you've got like this so many perf- things that are easier to cook than chicken man well i know there are <laughs> everyone but- thinks like oh chicken it's so simple and basic it must be easy to cook but it's not it's not that it's easy hard. but like everyone's got to eat and we all uh, protein's a big thing but like you could do yeah. that with vegetables like roasting vegetables or 
I mean, there's just making sauces, like making different kinds of vinaigrettes and then putting that on your salad or putting it on pasta or a grain bowl or something like that. I just think the idea of starting small mm -hmm. and then building up on there. So you're learning building blocks. Like there's a recipe on my site for basil vinaigrette that I just put on everything. Mm -hmm. But if you just make that, there's no actual cooking required. You do it in the blender and you put it on pasta one night. And then the mm. next night you can put it on some grilled vegetables. And then the next night you mix that all together and make like a pasta vegetable salad with that. And then you develop that confidence in that recipe and in the kitchen. I think it's much easier to expand from there. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about the idea that you can make things without actually cooking, like, you know, turning on the burner and, you know, mm -hmm. actually cooking something, you know, making a salad, making dressing. When I did Whole30, my eyes and, you know, I've been cooking for years and years. My eyes were really opened to this whole idea of like sauces, dips, dressing, all this stuff to make, you know, seemingly quote unquote, plain food more enticing. Right. And since I did Whole30, I have really leaned in hard to that. And I would say that that is a really good place to start for people that are trying to experiment at home because true, it's just, you get your blender, you get some oil and some acid and some herbs and what happens? Something delicious, right. most likely. And I think if you can make one kick-ass dressing, you'll be so just impressed with your own capabilities, but also realize how easy it is to, to cook for yourself at home that you'll be inspired to um, continue, continue with it. Do you have any like products or tools that you love that you recommend that everybody have? I'm always curious what like a chef's favorite kitchen tool is I besides mean, your knife besides right, your knife right a good knife a good knife is integral but I think the thing I use the most in my kitchen is definitely my blender um mm. I don't do you have even, a Vitamix or something I do I have a Vitamix I don't even have a food processor anymore like I just use my wow. Vitamix for everything um and then I have uh my microplane so I can like mm -hmm. zest all sorts of citrus or if I want to like finely grate garlic or something like that or ginger I think my, my those are my two like I put them in the dishwasher every night so they're clean for the next morning <laughs> those are your go-tos I, I love, love them that. um okay well definitely Vitamix is pretty expensive but I feel like you can get something that is sort of um, like a Nutribullet a Nutribullet like yeah, yeah I have both I have a Nutribullet and it actually um like makes great dressing and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like pretty easy. You just click it on and it goes. And it's, it's smaller. Like you don't have to make like a huge batch in order mm -hmm. for it to pulverize perfectly. Yeah, totally. So Nutribullet is pretty affordable. And I mean, a microplane you can get anywhere for like five bucks kind of yeah. a thing. Um, I love that. So I know that you have a line at Williams Sonoma, which is so exciting. Like what a amazing accomplishment. Thank um, you. It has spices, oils. Uh, you have like cocktail mixers. How did the partnership come about first? Because I think that our readers, just kidding, they're not readers, they're listeners. <laughs> my brain today. I always like touching on sort of the business aspects of business because I think it's really informative for people. So sure. how did the partnership come about first? And then how did you actually get into the like product development aspect of it? Did they say, Hey, we have these, you know, 15 things that we want to white label and put your name on, or did you actually sort of create things and, and have a say in, in what was produced? Sure. Yeah. So I decided back in 2015 that I really wanted, I had books. I saw people cooking my recipes and posting on them, posting on Snapchat about them. Mm -hmm. And I wanted something for them to hold in their hands and have a piece of gobby in their kitchen. So I yeah. called 
I called like four or five different retailers and told them my idea. Um, so how do you call them? That's what I'm like. I literally cold called them. Yeah. Like I literally cold called them. I did no not know customer people. service. Yeah. Like, well, actually I reached <laughs> out on, I reached out on Instagram and like okay, asked cool. for like a PR contact or oh, a, awesome. something like that, which I still do to this day. Like if I'm trying to get in touch with a brand, I'll DM them on Instagram mm. and be like, Hey, do you have a contact for X, Y, Z? sales Ooh, marketing. That's a great, so that's a great tip. Okay. Yeah. Hot tip. The kind of tips we're looking for. Um, and some people wrote me back and some people didn't. And I ended up taking meetings with three companies. Two of them are, you know, you're familiar with one was just like a, like a, you wouldn't mm-hmm. hear of them. They just produce products, but William Snowman, Sir Latob. So Latob called me back right away and they're like, great idea. Come up to Seattle. Let's have a conversation. I went and they were like ready to offer me a product on the spot basically. And then wow. we like go through the whole contract thing. And I think it was fair. And then I went up to William Sonoma. I cooked for a whole bunch of their team, told them my idea and then didn't hear back from them for months. <laughs> and in that, in that time, so the top had been like pushing me to, you know, sign on with them and we'll start mm-hmm. developing one product together. And I just didn't feel it. Like mm-hmm. I just, it didn't feel like the family I wanted to be a part of. And finally, William Sonoma called me back and Neil, who was in charge of product development at that time was like, let's start with salsas. Mm-hmm. And at the time I didn't know this salsas are not a good performer for William Sonoma because who goes to William Sonoma to buy salsas? I don't know. But like you go to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or wherever, like yeah. you're just not buying salsa from like a specialty store. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a test in my mind. Mm-hmm. And we ended up selling more salsa than they've ever sold before. And so it was after that, that we segued into seasonings and oils and cocktail mixes and perishables and stuff like that. Because once they saw I could move product, they were willing to invest more in me. And as far as the development goes, they're all recipes I create on my end. And then I send them to the Williams-Sonoma test kitchen. They test them in their kitchen. And then we send them to our producer who tests them in their facility and actually is the one who's responsible for making them, packaging them up and shipping them to the warehouses. How cool. I think that's that's really helpful information to know that sort of like the brand helps provide guidance at the beginning, like, hey, we want to do this one thing because it's, you know, our, within our sales goals or whatever, you know, categories that we want to get into. Um, but once you're able to prove yourself, you um, can have a little bit more flexibility. I think that's yeah. just really helpful for people. I think across any industry and your influencer because a lot of people, you know, have started to work with brands and it's a confusing relationship to navigate, right? And, you know, there's a huge learning curve for everybody that's doing it for the for the first time. So it's helpful to know that you just have to be patient if you're in that position and allow the relationship to develop. Yeah. I mean, this one's been going for five years. And I also just think you have to find a company that you really A, trust and B, have a good relationship with. Like, mm-hmm. like a lot of, um, like I do all the communication with William Sonoma on my end. I don't have anyone speak mm-hmm. to them on my behalf, my manager, yeah. no one like that. I just think it's beneficial for me to hear directly from the president to the marketing director, to the, to the production team. I want to hear it all from their mouths so totally. I can do a better job from on my end. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, that's really, really good advice. So tell me about your podcast because you have your own amazing podcast. What's got me cooking in the wild. Yeah. Did you start, did you start during quarantine? I did. And actually Raina and Michael from Dear Media called me and they're like, how, how the fuck do you make rice? Like, what do you, like, what, what is everybody, what do we do with the 900 pounds of chickpeas? Like you have to. Oh, that's so funny. So we started What's Got Me Cooking 
in quarantine, which mm-hmm. was, you know, we did like our first 35 episodes and they were just like little 10 to 15 minute episodes. We'd have people call in and ask their questions about what to do with whatever's sure. in their pantry. Um, and then like we were, I think we jumped the gun on switching it to what's got because in the wild because we kind of thought quarantine was over and then we're like, oh no, <laughs> it's not. It's not. but yeah, we've recorded it all. I've never recorded anything in the Dear Media studios. I can't wait till one day I'm allowed to like walk in those doors because we oh, just wow. do everything, from, my everything from home then. Yeah, like I've been in Dear Media to, to be on other people's podcasts, but like yeah. never for what's got me cooking and their offices now are gorgeous. So just counting down the days. <laughs> what's your favorite episode so far? Of mine? Yeah. I did two. That are, well, it's funny too. One's with my mom and we talked about how she raised my sister and I and like mm-hmm. got us to where we are mentally about food. And then the other one I did with my husband because he just came on full time to West Valley Cooking recently. And we talked about our working relationship, our issues with fertility, like all these different things. And I think it was a really eye-opening thing for a lot of people to hear his perspective because they normally just get mine. Mm-hmm. That's, so. really, that's really interesting. Um, we'll definitely check that out. Okay, talk to me about chickpeas. If you have five cans of chickpeas, what should you do? I just made this, do you, do you like Rayo's, like the pasta sauce? Yeah. I'm obsessed. So at the beginning of quarantine, I did like stockpile 9,000 pounds of chickpeas. So I just started making recipes that were similar to things I loved, but with chickpeas. So I just, Mm -hmm. it was kind of like my version of chicken parm, but with chickpeas. And it was like a cheesy skillet, like Rayo's chickpeas, herbs and cheese baked together. This is back in March when it was still like, okay to turn on your oven and you wouldn't sweat to death. But Mm -hmm. it's my current favorite thing. You like put it on a piece of toast or you eat it just plain. I love it. Yum. Do you keep the chickpeas whole or do you mash them up? Whole. (gasps) You could mash them up, but that's one extra step I wasn't willing to take. (laughs) Interesting. Is this in one of the episodes? It's an episode and it's on the blog because it was such a popular request. So we made it, we made it and shot it. And so it's on my website now. Fabulous. Next week, this is going to be me. <laughs> I'll send you a DM of my final product. I can't wait. <laughs> um, so questions that I ask everybody at the end of every episode, what is your secret ritual? This is something that you do that makes you feel happy, helps you unwind, but you do it in private. In private. Um, I think for me, I every night, I, well, this is recent. This is in like the last six months. I've put my phone away starting at 8 PM. Wow. I'm not on Instagram. I don't put it on stories or anything like that. And I just like go and like do my whole face routine, take a shower. I like to go to bed with wet hair and like get ready and just be quiet and not have any things on like no phone, no TV, no Taylor Swift folklore mm-hmm. music. Um, and just like kind of be quiet and maybe meditate. I'm trying to get into meditating. My husband's very into it, mm-hmm. but I do, I try and be like very peaceful before and mindful before I go to bed every night. That's really nice. Do you have like a traditional alarm clock? Or do you I just don't, have- I use my phone, you still use your but phone. I don't put it on. I don't even like goodbye. Yeah. Like I actually don't even need an alarm clock. Cause I am up at six o'clock every day, no matter what. <laughs> Me too. It's so sad. Before we started recording, I was like, well, it's Friday. I've been up since six. Yep. Very (laughs) productive morning. Cool way to start the weekend, right? (laughs) Um, Okay. My last question for you. What is one thing that you do now that you wish that you had learned earlier? Um, I write thank you notes to everybody. So Hmm. whether it's a brand I work with or someone I meet, I think it's so special to send a handwritten note 
because nobody does that anymore. And so I wish I had started doing that like back in college, basically. That's really nice. Thanks. I love it when I get a handwritten. You'll note. get that one. <laughs> That's so nice. Spoiler, spoiler alert. It'll be on avocado stationery. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. That's wonderful. I look forward to receiving it. Um, well, this has been a great chat, Gabby. Where can our listeners find you and find all of your products? Yeah, everything's on my website, whatsgabbycooking.com. Same for social, whatsgabbycooking. And it's pretty easy to find it up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much to my guest, Gabby Delkin. This is I Love Wellness. Please don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast. It would mean so much to me and my entire team. And of course, we appreciate all of the love that we can get. Thank you again to Gabby Delkin. Bye, guys.